So when I was in college, uh, my freshman year, spring break, uh, at that point in time, the men's basketball Big 12 tournament was at the front end of spring break. And so a group of buddies of mine uh, decided that we're going to road trip to Kansas City where the tournament is every year. And so we're going to watch the Baylor men's basketball team play Kansas. And so it's a Friday, so we skipped class and uh, it worked out. I graduated. Uh, But we skip class and we get up to Kansas. We're trying to get up to Kansas to make the game in Kansas City. And so as we're driving, this this whole... This whole weekend, this whole spring break, just one thing led to another. Like so many different things were happening. It was kind of a crazy spring break, not in a weird way, but just in a kind of funny way. And so as we're, as we're on our way, we're going through the middle of nowhere, i.e. the state of Oklahoma. And, uh, and as we're driving, we see this cute girl like driving next to us. And so naturally being dumb, stupid uh, 18-year-old dudes and, uh, and then two seniors were with us. But I was like, we should like put our phone number in a bottle and throw it across the freeway. And they were like, that's a great idea. And so we did that. And, uh, and so naturally she caught this bottle. She took out my phone number and uh, she called us. And so we're like talking to this girl. We're like, hey, where are you going? She's like, I'm headed to this thing. And we're like, that's cool. We're going to Kansas City. And she's like, I didn't ask. And we're like, okay, cool. You know, so we're, we're having this kind of weird conversation and we're just trying to convince her to like, go have dinner with us. And we're like, we're not creepy. You can look us up on Facebook. Uh, at that time I had a flip phone though, which I was like, I know it's behind the times. But anyways, so we end up, uh, we end up going to dinner with her. I have a picture of it from my uh, freshman year spring break. Here's our first picture from that spring break. There's us with the girl in the middle of Loves, uh, or uh, in the middle of Oklahoma. And then one thing led to another. Finally, we get to Kansas City. We go to the basketball game. I think I have a picture of the basketball game. Poor girl, didn't even know. All right, so here's us at the basketball game. Of course, we're in the nosebleeds and we're, we're there to see Baylor beat Kansas, which they ended up doing, honestly, to our surprise at the time. We weren't planning on staying the next day. So this is all happening and we're in this minivan. I don't know if you saw that, that minivan in the other picture, uh, but, oh, that's the minivan we were in. And so we, we, we end up staying the night in Kansas City and uh, because we had another game the next day. So we didn't plan to stay in Kansas City. And so we don't know anyone in Kansas City at the time. I actually did know people. I just didn't put it together. And so we stay in this van in the middle of the night, Kansas City. We go to the game the next day. All this is happening. And then we decide that we need to get to this service trip that we had actually committed to in the state of Arkansas. So we're in Kansas, Kansas City, Missouri, Kansas, and we start driving to Arkansas. And on the way, the car naturally starts to break down all the way through the night. And so we find ourselves stranded in the state of Arkansas. We realize that the closest city is in Branson, Missouri, and uh, not the best place to get stranded. No offense to those Kennecuckers that are here with us tonight. Um, Not the best place to get stranded, but we we end up having to call a tow truck for this, this van. Middle of the night, We get through the night, call a tow truck. Tow truck's like, I can only take two people. So naturally there's four of us. I stick out my thumb and I go from Arkansas Arkansas to Branson, Missouri. First time I've ever hitchhiked. It was amazing. And so all this is happening. We get to Branson. Sunday is a miserable day. We're getting around Branson trying to fix this truck. But Branson's kind of like Waco. Like everything is closed on Sundays. Everything that you need to be open is closed on Sundays. And so all this is happening. Finally, we get to this service trip. We make our way back to Arkansas. We're at the trip. We walk in. We're exhausted. And and the next day we have to wake up and we actually have to serve, which is where, where we were supposed to be the whole weekend. We start serving Monday. We finish the service trip and we start driving back. 
from that weekend, the first weekend of spring break and the service trip. And it's just kind of this insanity. And, and, and the reason why I start with this weird, crazy story about my freshman year of college is because that is a perfect example of the fact that spring break is no break. Spring break is more like, like spring busy, like just one thing after the other. The whole time you're traveling to get somewhere to find rest, you're traveling to get back, you get back and you're exhausted. And don't even get me started on Christmas break, even though it's a month long. Girls, especially for those that choose to rush, they get back a week early and then they just stay up like all night, multiple nights in a row, eating ice cream and talking about rush or something and whatever girls do. And at the end of that week, what you'll see, just, just wait if you've never experienced the first week of spring uh, at Baylor, what's going to happen is everyone that was, that, at, that was at that sorority week or whatever you call it, rush week, I don't know what they call it, is that, I'm not allowed to call it that, recruitment, sorry, hazing, y'all don't report me. <laughs> um, recruitment week finishes and everyone that went to that is sick. Y'all notice like every, you just stay away, it's like the plague, you're like, don't get near me. Everyone is sick, everyone has the flu, everyone has all this stuff. And so every break is really not a break at all. Summer, it's the same way. We get, we get to school, I remember this year, even working here, the Sunday before the first day of school, I was like, this isn't good. I'm tired. School hasn't even started. We haven't had the first vertical yet. We're all deeply looking for this thing called rest. And we we hope that breaks will give it to us, but even those don't give it to us. And so we're starting this series called Pause. And we're gonna take some time to look at how do we deal with this this thing called life that's absolutely crazy with busyness and, and responsibilities and friendships and school and parents and this and that. We're gonna figure out what it looks like. How do we live with all the things that we're juggling? And it's, it's, such a, it's such a reality for so many of us. In fact, there was a study that was done recently and USA Today came out with this, this statistic that 85% of college students say that at some point in the last year, they felt overwhelmed by all the things that they're supposed to do. That's like almost nine in 10 of you are saying, there's been a point in the last year that it's impossible for me to do everything that I'm supposed to do school, social life, all these different things. And as I was thinking about this, I asked myself the question, where or when was the place that I found the most rest in life? I want you to think about that for yourself. Like, where did you find the most rest? Where have you found it? Think about it for a moment. I asked my team the same question. And what was really weird, unplanned, is that, Honestly, I struggled to think of a place or a time, a break, something that I've gone to or a time that happened that was just fully restful. I was at this ranch that I like to think is this restful place for me. I was there two weeks ago and the whole time I was hosting and by the time I got back, I was tired. It was Sunday night, I was was exhausted. So even the places that we think of that are restful, we we find ourselves being tired from like the day after we get back. And I think really at the end of the day, deep down, all of us are tired. Like we're just kind of exhausted. And we're again, trying to find rest 
And honestly, we don't actually believe that we can rest because there's so much that we have to do. And so we're gonna look at what the Bible has to say about this, specifically what Jesus has to say about this. So if you'll turn in your Bibles to Matthew 11, we're gonna be in verses 25 through 30 tonight. This is what it says. And at that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to the little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father and no one knows the Son except the Father and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Let's stop right there. That's where we're going to camp out for our first two points. Something you need to know about this passage as we just kind of jump into what Jesus is saying. It might be slightly confusing. You need to know that Jesus is starting to face opposition. People are starting to reject him and some of the things that he's saying. And so he's declaring that, that he, he's thankful for the fact that the father reveals things. And when he means things, he's talking about all sorts of things. He's really talking about himself. But he's talking about the kingdom of God, uh, things having to do with Jesus. And, and he, what, what Jesus is saying is he, he's thanking the father for, for graciously revealing things to little children. And, and then he gives this invitation, come all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And the first thing I want us to see from this chunk of scripture is our first point tonight, which is that rest requires humility. Rest requires humility. Rest is this thing that all of us are looking for that, that requires a recognition of weakness. You don't need to rest if you're perfectly strong. And so rest requires a recognition of weakness. It's, it's, in this case, it's called humility. In order for you to receive rest, it, it, it's almost as if Jesus is saying, you have to be like a child. I don't know if any of you have children. I don't either. Uh, but here's the deal. The other day I was at a soccer game, one of the Baylor soccer games, and a local, uh, a local college minister and his kids were there, and we were playing around, and his kid looked at me, his daughter I had just met her and she just looked at me as we were watching the game and she was like, she didn't know my name. She was like, hello. And I, I naturally knew what I was supposed to do. And so I, you know, picked her up and I was like, do you want to go on my shoulders? She's like, yeah. I was like, all right, here we go. Put her on my shoulders. The moment I put her on my shoulders, she farts on my shoulders. No lie. I kid you not. And I'm like, this is, this is why I don't have kids. And so... And so this is happening. I put her on my shoulders. It's such a simple story, but the reality is this is kind of what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I reveal myself to those that say, hey, I'm saying, come. And, and like children, you can receive me. You can receive rest if you have humility. Children are kind of useless. They're dependent completely on older humans. They don't know how to feed themselves. They don't know how to bathe themselves. They don't know how to do anything. <laughs> They're dependent on adults. And Jesus is saying, yes, like little children, I reveal myself to the people that need me. 
And then he invites everyone, which is why and how we get to our first point that rest requires humility. We must need like a child in order to receive rest. But honestly, most of us are too prideful to rest. Most of us are too prideful to rest. It's We have to keep up with my friends and keep up with my group projects. We have to keep up with my roommates and my high school friends and my intramurals and my uh, social media and my classes and my parents. And you might even be one of those people that needs to keep up with your side gig of photography or your side gig of calligraphy or whatever the new side gig is. There's so many these days. You're just always trying to keep up with all these things and my, 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 and I, all these things I have to do, all these things I have to do, that honestly, if we just think about it for a moment, most of us don't rest because we're too prideful. We aren't resting because our world actually revolves around us. And in fact, it's in this culture in Waco, it's kind of this competition. I don't know if you've noticed this recently, but busyness is, is kind of this like name tag. You're like, how are you? And they're like, I'm busy. I'm like, is that your name or is that what you are? You know, I'm like, what? I could legit, most of us probably say the word busy more than we say our own name as we introduce and connect with other people. Busyness is, is this thing we're starting to brag in, we're starting to boast in. It's, it's this competition to see who can sleep the least in the last five days. I love the dude. It's usually a dude that comes up to me and is like, I haven't, I've slept five hours in the last five days. And I'm like, you need to see a doctor. Like, that's not even like, that's not cool. How is that possible? I'm like, certainly that, please tell me that's a lie. <laughs> like, sincerely, how is that possible? But the reality is we're finding ourselves trying to boast in busyness and lack of rest. It'd be like me coming up here and being like, man, I am, it was so awesome how drunk I got last weekend, right? That's boasting in sin. That's the same thing that we're doing as we try to boast in our busyness. We're too prideful to rest. And honestly, uh, not resting is saying you know better than God's design. Anna read the law from Exodus earlier and it mentioned in that passage that God rested on the seventh day. That God rested on the seventh day. And what I need you to know is that God didn't need to rest. He did it as an example to his people. And in fact, we know that he didn't need to rest because as we look to the Old Testament and the Jew, what the Jewish uh, faith practiced, the Shabbat, it's this, it's this day of ceasing. It's the day to stop. That's what God did. God stopped. Not because he was tired, but as an example. And it's this thing that's been written into history. And so if you're... Uh, just kind of curious and you're here tonight, I want you to know that every week we live according to a seven day calendar. And every week, whether you're an atheist or agnostic or whatever you are, what you need to understand is the whole seven day calendar is made from the history of the way God created the world. 
I just need you to know that. You can look it up, fact check me. And so this seven day week is the way God created us. But again, we refuse to rest because we're refusing to trust in God. So the first point tonight is that rest requires humility. Let's read verse 28 again. I think it's one of the most powerful verses in scripture. It says this, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. You know what I love about this? I love that Jesus is saying, if you come to me, I will give this to you. And you're wondering who can go to Jesus? All who labor and are heavy laden. How many of you have ever labored before and have felt a burden of heavy laden? I know that sounds weird, but felt a burden. Raise your hand. So you're all invited to come to Jesus and he will give you rest. The only prerequisite is that you have the humility to acknowledge that you are weak. As I just said, rest requires humility. The second thing that we see from this passage that we can come to Jesus and he will give us rest is that second point tonight, which is that rest resides in Jesus. Rest resides in Jesus. He is the person that we come to to receive rest. But just take a second. What do you think of rest? Like, how do you get rest? Netflix and chill, Bluebell, personal favorite, binge watching the latest show, maybe a day of just sitting back watching football, or maybe it's this 2-4, this 24-hour period, right, where you're not going to do anything, that's what rest could be to you, or maybe, maybe it's uh, this, this time where you get away to just listen to music, or maybe rest is, is going to Colorado. That's like a common thing. How many of you act like legit love Colorado because it's restful? Hey, respect to the one dude that is from Colorado. So, so we look, look at rest in all these different places. Or maybe you're that person like me when I was in college that rest is just that thing you do every four to six weeks that you get sick. You notice that? You're like running at a thousand miles an hour all the time. You're boasting your busyness, everyone, you know, it's, you're finding significance in it. And then all of a sudden you're like, I can't, I can't feel my throat. I can't even talk anymore. It hurts. And you're like, I got to go on vocal rest, friendships off the table. Everything's moved to the side. I need to go to the hospital, get an IV. I think I'm dehydrated, right? You know that person, you are that person. All this is happening. And then you're like, finally, a day of rest. This is what I'll do today. I won't go to school. I won't go to pigskin. I, I won't do all that stuff. Finally, I'll rest because I'm, I'm on my deathbed. <laughs> you laugh. I woke up on Wednesday. Couldn't feel my throat. And I realized, I think I sometimes find rest and just going as hard as I can until I'm empty. And then I'll just sleep in. And I'll fix everything. And Jesus is saying, no, don't just go to your bed. <laughs> don't just cancel things when you get sick. He's saying, come to who? Me. Rest resides in Jesus. He is the giver of rest. 
We think rest is a pause, but rest is found in a person. Pauses are great as long as those pauses purpose is to point you to the person of Jesus. The Sabbath is a person, it's not a routine. As the scripture goes on to say in Matthew 12, verses seven and eight, it'll be on the screen behind me. Jesus said, and if you had known what this means, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless. Verse eight, this is so important. For the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. He's saying, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I'm gonna give you rest. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. It's me. Sunday school. How do we get the Sabbath? Jesus, this is it. He's the Lord of it. So what I'm saying is that we can take the next 24 hours off and seek rest. And if we're not looking for it in the person of Jesus, it's not rest. It's not a true Sabbath. You can take 24 hours off every week, the rest of your life, and you will not find true rest. Rest is found in the person of Jesus. This is the way I think it looks in real life. Here's my Jesus juice. Am I right? Here's my Jesus juice. This is Jesus. (laughs) Terrible illustration, but that's okay. This is me. This is you. This says Aaron and Chambers. This is their engagement cup. Associate Director of Vertical, congratulations, Chambers, on your engagement. Yeah, I don't know where you are. Ring by fall. They're overachievers. There you go. So this is the cup they gave me this weekend. So every day I go to the person of Jesus and he fills me up, right? And then through the day, what happens? I get poured out in this dump called life right here. So I'm empty. And I can turn to the person of Jesus. I can be filled each and every day with him. He's the person. And each day, as I'm being poured out, it's more like this and it's constantly because we can spend our days with him. That's the way it looks like. And we can say, thank you, Jesus. And what does he say in return? My pleasure. Exactly. <laughs> because rest resides in Jesus. He's the person that fills us up each and every day. <laughs> Some of you are just getting that. You're like, wait a second, what? Does God really say that every time? Yes. Anyways, terrible, terrible. (laughs) So first we saw that rest requires humility. And second, we saw that rest resides in Jesus. Let's keep going in the scripture. Verse 29, this is what it says. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. I have a picture behind me of what a yoke is. Horns are down on this one, by the way, as we go into this next weekend. But this is what a yoke is. And what Jesus is saying, is saying he's saying, take my yoke upon you. He's saying, I'm going to enter this life with you. I'm going to be connected to you. 
So one side is Jesus, one side is you, and you're connected to him. And he's saying, take that yoke upon you for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This illustration is amazing uh, of these, these animals that, that have this pressure as they're, they're plowing a field, there's this weight, but it's easier when there's a yoke, one in direction and two in pressure. They're not alone. And that's this image that Jesus is giving us, which brings us to our third point tonight, which is that rest removes burdens. Rest removes burdens. Jesus is giving a promise. He's saying, yoke up to me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Every burden that we might get in this life, he is promising to go through with us. That's good news. Everything that might come in this life, he is promising he carries with us. If he bids us to carry a burden, he carries it also. It honestly sounds like the gospel, that he took on the burden of sin. So we don't have to have any of it. He took all of that on himself by living a perfect life and dying a death on the cross that we deserved. We deserved it. He took that burden, the burden of sin, and he was nailed to the cross because of that burden so that we would never have to live with the burden of sin again so we could be free in him, which is sweet. So he takes the sin of this world and he removes that burden completely. And then what he says is, and I'm in this life with you. You just got a yoke with me. It's called discipleship. It's called abiding in Jesus. It's called being attached to the vine. It's called walking with Jesus. Everything that you go through in your life that might be a burden, I'm in it with you. And sin, I already took it. That's good news. But I don't think many of us grasp this fully. Because I think if we realized that that were true, and if we have a relationship with him, we can rest in that. I think when I ask this question to you, it wouldn't be so hard. Here's my question tonight. If you were to die tonight on a scale of one to 10, how confident are you that God would let you in? Think of a number. If you were to die tonight, how confident are you on a scale of one to 10 that God would let you in? I wanna know your numbers. So let's, let's put our heads down just for a second. This will be quick. Heads down, eyes closed. I just wanna know who's here. All right, my one to fours, where you at? Hands up. You're like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not even close. I'm, I'm scared if I die tonight. Okay, thank you. You can put your hands down. Where are my five to nines? Where are you at? Hands up. You're like, I've been good, but not good enough. Okay, you're admitting that. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Everyone's heads can come up. Like I said, I don't think we realize that we can rest in what he has already done. I actually think most of our busyness is because we're seeking life in other places, in places other than Christ. 
Because if we knew that what Jesus had done for us was final, as we sang earlier, it is finished, we would know that we're meant to be tens because it has nothing to do with how bad you've been or how good you've been. It has everything to do with what Jesus has done on our behalf. That's what can give us rest. So we can rest from our work because of the work he's done for us. It sounds too good to be true that Jesus would take our sin and he'd remove it and he'd let us in no matter what we've done, that the father would let us in just because we know Jesus, sounds too good to be true. And he would enter into life with us and he would yoke up with us and he would, he would carry the burden with us through life, all the things of this life that come, Jesus is promising to be with us. It sounds too good to be true. It's not too good to be true. That's why it's such good news. That's why it's such good news. Every hard thing that we're gonna go through in this life, he's promised to go through with us. This is a weighted vest that athletes use to train. And so we put on this thing. Oh, did not realize I was gonna make noise. Um, Whoa. We put on this thing called life and it has all these different weights and some weights are removed at different times, right? You know, it's easier seasons, summer, easy, less weight. It's over here. And then we go into school year and we, we put in all these different things and it adds all these different weights and burdens. And it's just kind of heavy on us. It weighs on us, right? All this is happening in this thing called life. And what Jesus is saying is, I'm, I'm in it with you. I'm gonna carry your burden. And so, Ryan, would you come up real quick? We're gonna illustrate this. Ryan's gonna be my Jesus tonight. He's my black Jesus. Come on up, Ryan. It's my dude. And so he's my Jesus tonight. What Jesus is saying, he's saying, hey, hey, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, this vest is simple, right? Is this heavy? No. No matter how hard I tug, it's not heavy. Why? Because it's two of us. We're not alone. The burdens of life, the yoke, it's easy and it's light. We can trust in that. He's going to help us. He's with us. He's not left you. And we can rest in that good news. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you. Let's give a round of applause for Ryan. Black Jesus. Yes. It's my dude. So in summary, rest requires humility. Rest resides in Jesus. And rest removes the burden of life. So what do we do? As always, I wanna warn you from what you might do. You might leave here and you might, next take, you might take the next 24 hours off. Again, if you do that and you don't use that time to point you to the person of Jesus, you're gonna miss it. If you leave here and do anything that's quasi restful, apart from it pointing you to the person of Jesus, you will have missed the fact that rest comes from Jesus and Jesus alone. And so tonight, I want to read a quote to you from Rick Warren. It says this, divert daily, withdraw weekly, abandon annually. I like this. I I created my own. Read and pray daily. Have fun weekly. Go to a ranch bi-monthly. Go to Colorado annually. I, I made a joke about Colorado, and here I am trying to go there every year. 
And so tonight, the application I want you to make for yourself. What is it that you're gonna do daily, weekly, annually, maybe monthly, that's going to create space in your life to remind you of the person of Jesus that gives us rest? What are you gonna do? Daily, weekly, annually. We're meant to find our rest in Jesus daily. Creating that space, whether it be in prayer and worship and God's word and church and community and fasting and solitude and walks, maybe even at vertical you can find rest. This was one of the most restful places for me when I was a student. I just needed to breathe when I was here. just be reminded that God loves me and on good weeks I'd remember to bring a friend but usually I just man this is such a restful place for me it brings peace to my soul the last thing I want to do is ask you a question what keeps you from resting better question might be what keeps you from being with Jesus daily whatever it is I would encourage you to remove it maybe give boundary to it whatever it is And you might say, whoa, Dale, you're legalistic. Jesus came to abolish the legalism of the Pharisees. No, let me tell you, Jesus came and told this story about this rich young man who couldn't let go of his wealth. It was keeping him from following Jesus. So whatever is keeping you from following Jesus, I'm begging you to remove it. It's keeping you from knowing him and resting in him. And at the end of the day, you're like, so what? Why does this matter so much? You and I are called to be salt and light in this world. You realize that? Sometimes I make fun of that Baylor Lights campaign, but at the end of the day, that is what we're all called to, right? We're all called to this. But the problem is you're sitting next to an atheist in class and you're coming in more stressed out than they are. You're coming in to the library during finals and, and, and the whole thing is, is just this drama about you, 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 you. When our whole lives are meant to point people to the person of Jesus. And you don't think it matters now. But let me just tell you, in the real world, when you show up to work and people ask you how you're doing, it's one of the only questions you're going to get every day from the people around you, no matter where you go in this world. And that's not the time to waste it and say, I'm busy, I'm really tired. That's what the world is saying. I'm begging you to look different, be a preservative to this world by resting and trusting in Jesus. So when you walk into work one day and somebody asks you how you're doing, I beg you to think of a word other than busy. I'm busy, I'm busy. I'm busy. And as you go throughout your week this week, I'm begging you to use a word other than busy and maybe take it off of you and say, you know, maybe this week's been kind of challenging. I've had a few tests, but it's it's been a good thing. It's forced more dependence on God himself. Every time somebody asks you how you are and you answer with the word busy, you're missing an opportunity to tell them of the God that you get to rest in. 
no matter how busy you really are. The God that you trust in, no matter how many responsibilities you have. So I'm begging you, may we all be a people who find our rest in Jesus daily, weekly, monthly, and annually. And if we do this, we will change the world through the power of God. Let's pray. Father, you give us an invitation to come if we're weary and heavy laden, Lord, I I just beg of you, we're coming. Right now, would you even give us a glimpse of what rest looks like that we can rest assured in the work that you've done on our behalf so we know, so we can know that we're all tens. We have assurance that we can rest in the work that you've done on our behalf so we can work hard each and every day, but we can rest in the fact that the work that you've done on our behalf is finished. So we can lay our heads on our pillow at night and we can sleep well. Lord, I pray you would give us rest through your person of Jesus. Would you reveal yourself to us like like we're little children? Lord, we figuratively lift our hands to you and ask that you would meet us in this place in this time. Lord, would you be our rest? Would you be our source of life? We beg you to help us in this way. And it's in your son Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.